0: Hi, this is Garrett Mink, CTO of Rare.Tech, R-A-I-R.Tech, and we are doing the hard work of getting rights right with NFTs. You are listening to The Edge of NFT, the right podcast for the latest in NFTs. Enjoy.
1: Hey, all you NFT curious listeners. Hang out for today's episode to learn why all NFTs are not created equal.
2: And how snow cones help to inspire rare digital rights management
3: and how Boho Bones is revolutionizing music rights so deeply that fans have Boho not just rattling their bones, but also inked on their skin. All this and more on today's episode. Enjoy. Welcome to the Edge of
1: NFT with your hosts Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next.
3: Today's episode features guest Garrett Minks, CTO of Rare.Tech, that's R-A-I-R.Tech, a a blockchain-based digital rights management platform that uses NFTs to gate access to streaming content. Garrett has deep expertise in distributed ledger technologies and their unique token economic incentive frameworks. Garrett is an early adopter of blockchain innovations, digital collectibles, and DLT based media platforms. After writing his first book on distributed technologies, he realized no viable publishing platform using Next Wave distributed technologies existed where content could be sold and resold via immutable ledger tokens. Instead of using FANG platforms and giving the majority of proceeds to predatory intermediaries, Rare.tech was born. Garrett, welcome to Edge of NFT.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
3: It's a pleasure. Well, let's jump right in. I want to ask you a question for listeners who are unfamiliar. Just tell us what is rare and what problems are you solving? Let's go a little bit deeper.
0: Certainly. So I think many of your viewers are aware of what these non-fungible tokens do, these really awesome, unique serial numbers that basically allow you to make almost anything work like Bitcoin, which is awesome, I think. Uh, To be able to say, hey, I own this magic apple and I can send it to you and now you own it and now I don't. And now the whole world agrees on that. But taking it much, much further than just uh, sort of a a nebulous token in the sky, but uh, actually applying it to all sorts of interesting things. Arts, collectibles, eventually real estate, all sorts of other uh, crazy use cases. So once I found out about them, actually from CryptoKitties way back in the day, I just immediately got obsessed and then have been tinkering with how to make them more useful ever since.
1: It seems like we're just scratching the surface on what NFTs can do. You mentioned a few different applications, but it's like bananas. right? It's much more than just collectibles. Could you tell us a little bit about the technology behind like NFT unlockable content, and why should we care about encrypted streaming versus unencrypted downloads?
0: Certainly. So, really, what I think the amazing breakthrough with NFTs is is actually this authentication mechanism. That basically you can prove that you own a thing, uh, and then you can use that to ideally do stuff. So, kind of, I would say this NFT 1.0 is, of course, look at this image. Uh, Look how pretty it is. I own it. Nobody else does, even though everybody can view it. Uh, And where I really see the space moving is uh, here's your authentication credential. We're using basically this giant global supercomputer to verify that I own a thing. Uh, But now instead of just seeing an image that everybody else can see, you can actually use it to unlock uh, really anything. So uh, we started with streaming video just because that's uh, kind of the biggest thing on the internet right now. Uh, but of course, if you can use an NFT to unlock streaming video, you can use it to unlock audio, uh, albums, uh, eventually ebooks. if you get the ebook reader hooked up properly, really any any kind of media, are generally any kind of data uh, can be unlocked uh, using this very secure new uh, new mechanism. So that's what that's what gets me <laughs> excited, especially about NFTs. Not just that they're sort of cool images, but the uh, the future that they hold and, and basically uh, proving that you that you own something and then using it to do something uh, that you couldn't if you didn't own it.
2: Got it. So you know, in our intro, we talked about these Fang platforms, which sounds very Halloween-esque, but You know, you mentioned metadata, too, and how it's stored and how that sort of affects this whole equation. Talk a little bit more about the gamification of NFTs and and why does it matter if it's shared or unique? And how is Rare sort of making this process easier for folks um, that really care about that?
0: Sure. So, you know, uh, metadata might be one of the most interesting parts about NFTs because without it, it's just a serial number, right? It's like, I have 0x number one, but if there's a link to the, you know, giant Beeple JPEG, well, actually, it's not just some random 0x number one. It's actually this thing that's worth $70 million. And the only reason it is, is because there's metadata that says it's that way. And that's another thing that I think we're just barely scratching the surface of. So metadata, as we see it now, is just kind of the image, the description, and then some attributes, uh, basically. Uh, but that's already provided you know, enormous value. With those attributes, you know, the board apes have different mouths or different hats or different eyeballs. That's all metadata. And that's what I think sort of uh, gets those kind of collectible you know, spirits going, right? I want, the, I want the one that has this set of eyeballs and this mouth. And only 0.1% of them do. Well, that all comes from that all comes from metadata. Uh, that's really what kind of breathes life into an NFT. Uh, you know, because without it, it really is just sort of a serial number that doesn't mean anything.
2: So. so so what can folks do with rare that they can't do without rare in the context of what we just talked about?
0: Certainly. Well, with metadata, there's sort of a lot of a lot of folks that reuse it over and over again. And that's not I really think how the the high value uh, type work uh, operates. So you look at your board apes, you look at your crypto punks, you look at your art blocks, they're using metadata in this really interesting and complex way with art blocks. They're doing all of this generative math type stuff to make their metadata. But if you look at kind of the run of the mill uh, NFT, that might be the same image, you know, a hundred times or a thousand times. Well, what makes number two different from number 1000? If you just keep, sharing the same image over and over again. So kind of in addition to our streaming tools, uh, we're also working uh, quite hard on a lot of batch, sort of batch upload, batch optimization of NFTs to make sure that every single one of them can actually be unique. And even if you only provide one base image, we would then be able to manipulate that image in all sorts of interesting ways uh, to make sure that the product that you actually sell folks when you're making NFTs using our platform is unique. So kind of interesting example, maybe you, you're an artist and you only have you know this one image that you worked really hard on. Well, you can use our tools to assign a different HTML color code to every one of those images. So even if you only made one, if you wanted to make a 1,000 copies of them, they could at least all be a different color at minimum. But it really does kind of put the onus on the creator. We have these, what I think are quite powerful tools that we're developing. But really, uh, it's kind of up to the creator how they how they want to use them. But that's fundamentally what we're trying to do in all sorts of different ways is powerful tools for creators to be able to make really high quality uh, NFTs. And if that's making better metadata or better streaming video, then that's. uh,
2: And what about the flip side of that, Garrett, in terms of how who can see the NFT? Do you guys play in that world at all?
0: Yes, absolutely. So the the metadata is like the public-facing part. That's what everybody sees. It's the people image and the, and the description. What we also do uniquely is uh, we can upload, uh, as I mentioned, streaming video. And uh, only the owner of the NFT can actually uh, prove with MetaMask that they own the item. And then we can uh, unlock an encrypted stream that only they can see.
3: Yeah, this is beautiful. I mean, membership sites, right? I mean, I don't know how deep you're going into membership sites at this very moment, right? I mean, you got the streaming video kind of thing, but I'm talk, thinking about like courses, right? Courses are huge, you know, and or, or just even gated content, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be, just like there is now, a ton of players who gate their, you know, online courseware, you know, with NFTs, right? It's just a matter of who's going to get in there first and, and do it well and do it in a way that integrates like existing platforms do. We've heard, you know, we've heard NFTs described as like, as like, mini supercomputers before right and in this conversation with you specifically i'm becoming more and more aware of like there's just so much more to be done right i'm actually curious why you don't think more has been done yet you know in terms of the functionality of the nfts and and like taking advantage of all the potential of, of the uh sort of supercomputer aspect we've got collectibles right i mean and we've we've got a few things and you're definitely trailblazing on how uh, complicated it could be but any thoughts on that
0: Certainly. I mean, it's, it's a shiny new toy, for sure. And, you know, it's the maybe logical first step is to do like a pet rock and that, that sort of functionality. And I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I just, uh, I love that it makes people think a little bit deeper about what value is. And if it's already this valuable, where it's just an image, you can imagine what could happen if it's used as an authentication layer to then unlock things so why exactly it's been so so popular I'm not exactly sure especially uh, kind of given given the state of, of what's selling for, for such big money but you know I don't uh, I don't judge uh, you know if people people want to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on these things you know it's, it's actually it's great uh, it brings media attention and uh, it's positive so
3: right. Next question I want to ask you is a kind of pairing what you're doing to other marketplaces. Other marketplaces are performing centralized accounting and not actually using the blockchain. Why does it matter if a project writes data on-chain for all transactions or if they don't? What's the difference?
0: Certainly. So I think a lot of this is just stemmed from you know, how darn expensive Ethereum can be when gas prices are high. Uh, So there's been a lot of uh, kind of what I would call shortcuts taken to uh, not actually use the blockchain uh, very much or use it very minimally. And I think uh, really moving forward as more people kind of learn about what NFTs actually are, which again is this provenance layer. Well, if you can't look up the thing that you own in the blockchain, then why use the blockchain at all? And I do think these problems will get resolved with these faster networks like you know Polygon, Clayton, all these other ones that are Ethereum compatible, or maybe Ethereum itself gets its act together and just solves the scaling problem. Yeah, it's kind of a, a temporary thing, I think. A lot of technologists, I think, that jump into the NFT space, they're so used to centralized systems, they're so used to using Amazon Web Services that it just kind of leaks into their products, and then they end up sort of providing an NFT without actually providing an NFT. So,
1: Right, and that plays into this other you know, thing that I think a lot of people don't realize and that's that if you mint on like OpenSea, but you move over to Rarible and and you try to sell something over there, like your your contract it's compatible with OpenSea, but you're not going to be able to earn your royalties over on Rarible, right? So there's this this kind of cross platform compatibility that's not there. You know how are you guys working on that? How are you solving that problem and um, you know making it much easier for people to to reap the same rewards across platforms?
0: Certainly. That is definitely kind of a dirty secret in the space that your royalties are currently siloed to the marketplace of origin. And that's just due to whoever writes the contracts usually writes like a custom way of doing the royalties. And the only way that they'll actually honor the resale royalties if you use that same marketplace. That's a perfect example. mint something on OpenSea, sell it on Rarible. That's not going to work. So The solution that we've implemented uh, is this thing called, it's very geeky, it's called EIP-2981, which is this universal royalty standard. And uh, that was, the community came out with it. Another, you know, awesome Ethereum improvement proposal came out last year. It should be actually part of the, should finally get integrated into the main line of the Ethereum code base here in the next month or two. That should hopefully clean up some of this because with that, you put in this little field called royalty info. And in royalty info, you're using a universal standard or ideally a universal standard if everybody adopts it, where you can look and say, ah, this is what the royalty rate is. And if everybody adopts this EIP proposal, then you really will have uh, cross-marketplace compatibility. Uh, But currently, everything is siloed. So just be careful.
1: Yeah, that's wild. So everything you guys are working on, is that incorporated um, into Rare?
0: Yes, absolutely. And the really awesome part about sort of staying inside of the Ethereum ecosystem uh, is that we can move to other places like Binance, uh, like Matic, like Clayton, and that same exact code base will port perfectly. So by them developing the universal standard on Ethereum, we're able to use it in all of these other places as long as they're compatible with the same, called a virtual machine, the same underlying thing that the smart contract code compiles to.
2: So I have a soul punk. Is uh, Solana also in the mix there?
0: <laughs> Solana's interesting. I've looked into them quite a bit. Uh, there's one thing called Neon Labs. They're trying to get the Ethereum virtual machine to work on Solana, but your actual, your soul punks and don't they have like Degenerate Ape Academy? Like that. They have yes.
2: A... Yeah. I thought about one of those. I didn't pull the trigger. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, it's fun. Everybody, we should do our own derivative, I guess, of... Uh... Yeah, the, those Soul Punks at least are written in a kind of uh, Solana standard, so it's completely isolated and siloed onto that platform, and would have no way of moving anywhere else uh, unless somebody wrote the code to do it.
2: So. Cool. Well, we'll save that one for for another day. But it's really exciting what you're doing to sort of help the industry evolve. When we take a step back outside of Rare and what we've discussed today, you've you've been around a while. You talked about Crypto Kitties. What stands out to you as game changers over the next few years on the technology side? What are you excited about?
0: Certainly. Well, you know, we've definitely put quite a few of our eggs in the Ethereum virtual machine basket uh, for good or for ill. You know, at the end of the day, it is JavaScript. It's not one of these really fancy functional programming languages like Cardano has. But I think because there's so many billions of dollars in the Ethereum ecosystem and there's so much development in it, Uh, that kind of moving forward, it's who can continue to support the, I really think this Ethereum, uh, or excuse me, the ERC-721, that was the original NFT standard. It just has so much value associated with it now. And people really like, you know, the people thing, 0x number one. It just, it looks nice. So I think kind of moving forward, it's what, and if it's Ethereum itself, or if it's these, you know, dozens of other competitors that are trying to eat their, eat their lunch. I think it's moving towards how do we sort of solve the scalability thing and allow people to make really high quality, I think 721 standard NFTs, but do them uh, on lots of places. Or if you really want to have a lot of provenance and a lot of authenticity, mint it on several blockchains so that even if one of them goes down, it'll still survive somewhere else.
2: That's cool. And you you have an interesting technology perspective. I just wanted to briefly touch on decentralized versus centralized storage and how you see that sort of competition playing out over the next few years?
0: Certainly. Well, you know, as a very long-term like Bitcoin person, obviously no keys, no crypto is, of course, always rings true. But at the same time, it's very difficult, I think, for the average consumer to even get MetaMask set up. So I can absolutely see See both sides of those. And maybe there's even a bit of an evolution in a consumer where maybe they start in a custodial type product, and then maybe they graduate to doing their own self-custody. So I try not to... Now, to actually get fiat and credit card type payments integrated, it really throws a huge wrench in things because you, you're trying to use the blockchain, but you're doing it on somebody's behalf. And that is actually quite tricky to balance. So...
2: So does Amazon dominate here or do does Filecoin and the other players have a shot?
0: Certainly. Well, you know, we use IPFS. Filecoin is kind of a fancy version of IPFS. I, I certainly hope so. I think if you treat the actual serial number, the NFT itself, uh, with all of this care to make sure that it's being replicated on a blockchain, I don't know why you wouldn't also do so with the underlying data. Because if you have this really powerful, interesting serial number, and then it's going and rendering you an image that's stored on Amazon Web Services, is that, I mean, I don't know, that that seems kind of like lying to me. But, you know, that is kind of the current state of the state. And I think a lot of these platforms were able to get up so quickly and scale so fast, you know, of... Uh, the open seas of the world using Google Cloud, things like that, they, they were able to to kind of jumpstart into things by leveraging these existing centralized platforms rather than kind of doing the hard work of trying to get distributed stuff to work.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, the, it's version one, right, of NFTs, I guess, in the modern sense, not you know, the, the crypto kitty, you know, kind of three year ago, you know, kind of world, like this is the mainstream version one and we got to get to the next layer here, I think. And dude, like, I think, I think you need to write like a a really sweet series of uh, medium posts or something on these subjects. There's so many things that people don't know. And the way you've articulated, I think is very clear. And we've hit on a few things that I don't believe we've talked about before on the show. And we rarely talk about in our circles, but that are really important, you know? So, uh, People need to know this stuff. It's really critical. I mean, the cross, you know, cross-platform, you know, royalty, you know, question is a great example of that. So, please right away, Garrett. Please,
0: certainly. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, I think the summary of all this, right? And I forget where they mentioned in this conversation or, or only just before we started was this: all MFTs are not created equal, right? Could you just before we move on, like expound upon, you know, what are the main ways, just to make it clear what we have just what we just went over, that NFTs are not created equally that people think they are, you know?
0: Certainly. Well, it's it's not one thing. I think it's a collection of things that make either a high quality NFT or not, but they all really revolve around like, what are you actually buying? And people don't know what they're actually buying. I think most of the time, if it's not so, I mean, a blockchain is basically a bunch of databases that all agree on a shared truth. That's literally why Bitcoin is successful and why Ethereum has been successful. And I think when you see a slick looking front end and you see that you can click a buy button and then you see that an NFT shows up on the website, you might think that you own an NFT, but you really should check where are they actually storing this image? Are they storing it on something like IPFS or are they using you know, Amazon? Right? I mean, not to get into the whole parlor thing, but I mean, clearly if you support a centralized thing and they just decide that you shouldn't exist anymore, then you don't exist anymore. And the same thing goes on actually writing the NFT itself to a blockchain. You would think if you, if you bought an NFT, it would actually exist on a blockchain. And that's also not necessarily true. A lot of places do this, it's called lazy minting, which is actually a very apt description of what it is because it is lazy. Uh, uh, to not actually put something on a blockchain, but to just store it on your own internal database.
3: Yeah, makes sense. Thanks so much. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's a transitional period. And it's, it's definitely kudos to everyone for putting in their their two cents and how to make this work. But I think we really appreciate you bringing the clarity of thought to the conversation. It's, it's much needed. Jeff, shall we uh, head on over to quick hitters? What do you think?
1: Yeah, let's do it. I think great, great info for everybody, Garrett. Thanks for sharing. Really critical that people hear this and, you know, put it to to practice really when they're buying and selling these things because it matters.
3: Hi there. Let me interrupt one sec with a special secret. Here at Edge of NFT, we want to loop you in on the best kept secrets in NFT right now. So this might be the first time you've heard of it but you need to know about koi especially if you are a creator or even if you're just a supporter of groundbreaking projects you need to dive into koi asap and you can do so absolutely for free here is the best way go to edgeofnft.com/koi that's edgeofnft.com/k o i i two eyes there you can find out how to install the finny chrome plugin publish your first 50 nfts for free and start earning koi whenever anyone visits your nfts imagine a world where sites like facebook and instagram would allow creators to earn every time their posts are viewed this is what koi is built to support plus koi is built to scale globally without killing the planet go to edgeofnft.com/koi install the finny chrome plugin right now publish your first 50 nfts for free and start earning koi today
1: all right. Well, edge quick hitters, it's a fun, quick way to get to know you a little better. There are 10 questions and we're looking for short single word or few word responses, but feel free to expand if you get the urge. Ready to dive in? Uh, let's do it. All right. Question number one. What's the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life?
0: Actually, it was the Offspring Americana CD with the, with the little alien on it that's eating the guy with the little leg brace. It's such a vivid image in my mind. I was like seven years old. So. <laughs>
1: Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, question number two. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life?
0: Selling? Probably snow cones. Everybody else was selling lemonade. And then I figured, you know, snow
1: cones. Mm. Dare to be different. I love that. And more yeah, refreshing.
3: Yeah, that's, it's I'll a, 10X your some... refreshment over here at this lemonade stand. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Definitely some foreshadowing there with what you're doing with Rare, sort of taking a different path.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But wait a minute. Where were you slaying in these snow cones?
0: Oh, in in front of, you know, parents' driveway, of course, free real estate.
1: What state was this in?
0: Oh, uh, in Balmy, Houston, Texas. So
1: Ah, there we go. Helps, helps. Yes. (laughs) Okay, question number three. What's the most recent thing you purchased?
0: Oh, well, I got a a 12-volt fridge to go camping with, so that's exciting.
3: Well, I just came back from a camping trip. (laughs) That doesn't count if you've got a fridge, dude. (laughs) <laughs>
0: it's That's true That's i'm funny.
3: just kidding i had an air mattress we plugged in yeah
1: <laughs> oh yeah you gotta have some cool cool beverages okay question number four then what's the most recent thing you sold
0: you know i haven't sold anything in a while i've been on like just like a buying bench <laughs> I, don't, I can't what That's that, the I, is the
2: problem with nfts <laughs> it's
0: true just hoard, just hoarding yeah i cheese sell to take a oh, uh, an, an old motorcycle of mine. It didn't work. I did get rid of it on Craigslist a few months ago.
1: Okay. Nice. That's awesome. All right. Question number five. What's your most prized possession?
0: Ooh, my most prized possession. Well, I do have these limited edition Vortex Couches. I have the entire set all the way from the original Couch, which went 90 yards all the way to the 110 yard Vortex couche. And I think they'll be collectible. I collect weird things and uh, they're in my background right now. So I will say no. My-
2: Did you have a second one you bought that you actually use? Because I kind of would want to try it out.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Those are the new in box ones, but I also have one that I play with. Yes, of course.
3: Awesome. By the way, I love how this, if you're not watching, you're only listening, of how this almost turned into like a QVC like presentation. You know, he's like, here we have these lovely cushions. I expect a little timer to show up and you can have one for yourself. (laughs) They may be listed. That's true.
1: Uh, Okay. Question number six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be?
0: Anything in the world, all the Facebook stock so that I could burn it all and then it wouldn't exist anymore.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. Free me from the chains. (laughs) <laughs> yes,
2: at least
0: make an nft out
2: of it though
3: at the yes. end
0: true and then burn that nft zero x It zero, 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 zero
1: it is for sale but it might cost a pretty penny question number seven if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation what would that be
0: yes uh be a sleuth don't take things at their face value dig in deeper make sure you know what's actually going on otherwise you might not like what uh, what it does
3: You might've made a deal with the devil at the crossroads. This is true. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, Important, important trait for sure. Uh, Namely Facebook. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Question number eight. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be?
0: Ooh, well, it's a double-edged sword. Maybe not getting so, so geeky, maybe not getting so lost in a, in a vortex of, time and interest. I would say there's probably a balance between sleuthing and over sleuthing.
1: Got it. Question nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast?
0: Ooh, uh, I was talking with my head of DevOps about Kubernetes stuff.
1: Right on. And last one, what are you going to do next after the podcast?
0: Ooh, i will probably go back to talking to my head of devops about kubernetes <laughs> well there you go <laughs> <We're>
3: Just easy <laughs> <a, laughs> we're just an interlude here guys right, right. <laughs> well that's edge quick haters thanks so much appreciate it
1: what do you say we uh, we dive into some hot topics
3: let's dive in let's dive deep all right nft game steals our work gets called out deletes account Okay, Epic Hero Battles, a blockchain based game on the Ethereum network. It was trying to sell 10,000 NFTs that consisted of a randomly generated hero and their pet, uh, which could then be put into battle to win either prizes or more NFTs. They not sure how randomly generated they would have been, though, because despite the well-worn and by September 2021 shown to be entirely B.S. claim that NFTs are all about artists and ownership of their work. For its main page, the game's creator decided to just straight up steal a piece of key art from indie game Wildfire, which came out just last year, and it's pretty damn good. Okay, well, on topic, hot topic, huh?
1: Yeah, it's right. They stole the data. It can happen, like, relatively easily right now, and if you don't look into it, you're not going to know what you're buying, right? I mean, that's, just, that's the dang story there. That's cr- it's crazy, and, you know, like especially with these projects that, you're, I mean, their goal is to, to do well and to succeed and to sell a good number of these, of these NFTs for a good price and for them to be resold and to grow a community. It's kind of wild to think that you would somehow get away with that, right? But they, we've seen this over and over again. It's bananas. I don't know.
3: Well, there's another spe- aspect too, I think here. At first blush, you, know, you might think, okay, well, blockchain is almost like a, a form of copyright. Right, and then so if it's on the blockchain, it's you know copyrighted or it's got some sort of uh, it's got that provenance, right? But it is important to remember there's maybe multiple blockchains, right? Or you know maybe something can happen on a blockchain and later somebody can mint the same thing and you know they can sell it to you, right? And you can think it's on the blockchain, so it must be the first one. No, you've got to take a look, right? You've got to look for yourself and see what's going on. So
2: I think you learned that from our guest today.
3: Yes, exactly.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, garbage in, garbage out is the.
1: <laughs> yes, but be a sleuth, figure it out. You know, that's a bummer. But yeah, you know, we, we, this is not the last time we're going to see that. You know.
3: Yeah, you know, just one follow up before we go to the next hot topic, Garrett. You know, this could take a lot of time and attention, right? As we're discussing this, right? Do you have any advice for folks on on just going about that? Is it about like finding the trusted source, finding the trusted chain? You know, is there more to it than that? In order to you know cuz cuz there's there's always a point of diminishing returns let's put it that way right so do you have any thoughts or comments or or uh, advice on like how much to invest your time and energy into this
0: it is a pretty great paradox that you need these like centralized oracles of truth to keep you out of trouble <laughs> definitely uh, so especially in distributed technologies uh, i think i think having a centralized source of truth that can help keep you out of trouble is actually quite important. How much should people really have to know? I would actually lean on the side of, you don't need to know too much. You just need to trust that the person you're doing business with knows what they're doing.
3: Right, say. that makes sense. Yeah, be careful with your close relationships and partners. But even on that topic, I like how many
1: launches, and we've seen it time and again, right? With launches where, you know, you think you trust the folks doing it, but there's just a lot of that, that people don't know they don't know. At this stage, when they're launching new projects, new collections, like if we're talking about just like the collectible realm, some of the most popular projects, like even over the last couple of weeks when they're launched, it's just time and again we see this uh, lapse in in process. So you know, individual buyers end up scooping up you know a thousand of the ten thousand you know uh, NFTs that came out and messing with the market. And you know, it's uh, I think there's some serious learning still to be had, even among those that are, are really you know, well qualified to launch these things. Just, they just don't know what they don't know in some cases.
3: Let's hit the next hot topic here. Uh, great points, Jeff. Uh, Steve Cohen backed NFT platform closes Series A at a $333 million valuation. Let's uh, be careful when that doubles, of course, then people will start to get a little bit superstitious. But anyways, riding uh, the wave of interest in the market for NFTs, a startup with support from hedge fund mogul Steve Cohen has closed uh, $55 million Series A, uh, founded by former DRW trader, Zach Brook and licensing expert, uh, Trevor George. Recur is one of a growing number of startups operating in the NFT market where films uh, firms like Dapper Labs and OpenSea have achieved unicorn status. All right, this is a very interesting uh, new example of. Yeah, you know, I feel like actually very early on in the podcast we had a lot of you know fundraising announcements, and and back then you know within say the first ten episodes, five episodes. Now we're seasoned veterans, just five or six months later. But you know it was astounding to hear that this much was raised. Or I remember the comment of you know we had an article about how much was raised or what the valuations were. And Jeff made the comment, well, that really wasn't much more than the people that just sold. (laughs) And now we're certainly getting into the territory where the businesses are putting some serious numbers on the table.
2: Totally. And, you know, in this case, we're talking about they're going to start with the PAC 12, which is, you know, a really big bridge into the mainstream, which is what you see with a lot of these bigger raises is this sort of effort to like move into the mainstream. I thought another interesting quote related to our topic today is we see a future where the standard for decentralized recurring royalty is embedded, giving the creator due credit as assets are exchanged over and over again. So, You know, great to see other folks, Garrett, concerned with the same sort of things that you're concerned with.
0: Certainly. Well, there is that XKCD comic about the all the USB, you know, uh, different charging. You know, we have 13 standards now. We'll have the 14th standard, right? I mean, that's the whole point of universal royalty standard. Everybody wants their own, you know. Whereas maybe just go with the official Ethereum one and then be done with it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it would seem to me. There's so many people focused on on it as well and improving, you know, the protocols there, it would seem to make sense, but people are always going to try, right. (laughs) They keep trying and, um, you know, there won't be just one winner, I guess. Right. There will always be multiple. It'd be nice to have, have a a consistent standard that people agree
3: on them. Uh, let move on to the next topic. Yeah. Let's all right. uh, Let's do it. So, so this Hot Topic is something new that we're, we're doing here, a special featured Hot Topic. So it's going to be kind of fun, and we'll get you in on the conversation, Garrett. Uh, so this is a, a special Hot Topic on Boho Bones with Andy Crosby um, of bohobones.com. I'll give you a little bit about Andy. Originally hailing from Australia with an innate talent for all things music, Andy came to the US for a university scholarship in Oregon. After graduation, he moved to LA briefly, then set up for New York to join a crowdsourced, live streaming news startup that would be the predecessor to the Citizen app we know today. After the hustle and bustle of the city life in the Big Apple, Andy set out for greener pastures in the mountains of Colorado and built up a mountain retreat for his wife and toddler son boho bones is the first phase of nft and metaverse experiential projects launched by swim alongside their green chain network and boho bones comes complete with 150 unique instrumental songs for token holders to remix sample or reproduce as they see fit 1000 no 12,345, which is 12345 if you read it out. Boho Bones tokens will be issued and token holders will have complete commercial rights to a library of 150 original songs. Minting cost will be 0.08 each. So let's ch- chat about this a little bit and
4: welcome Andy. How you doing Andy? Very good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we Andy and I met a few weeks ago at a in real life NFT event. And, you know, when I mentioned Edge of NFT, it's like, well, we're doing something totally on the edge. And I have to say, I have to agree, in terms of giving over those commercial rights and adding so much unique music, it's a really cool project and we're excited to have you on the show.
4: Yeah. I mean, there's there's been a great attraction to this project because we're just getting the community to create and uh and we're about to launch our first remix comp with the community and, you know, early adopters will get access to special VIP producer packs on top of that. So it's a sort of ever-growing library.
2: There you go. What was your personal inspiration and experience to create this project? And how does Boho Bones aim to reshape the music industry?
4: I'd been signed to Sony sort of back in 2012 uh, with a band. And then we had an A&R guy who'd signed us pass away. And the project kind of got shelved and all these rights got shelved just because they decided to move on with other stuff. And I thought, you know, that's kind of a a waste of hard work. It'd be great to give the, you know, the rights back to creators. So that's what we've sort of done here is open those doors. They can have all the commercial rights. It's written in the first paragraph of our Solidity contract. And then if they make over $25,000, we just ask them to donate 20% back to the community wallet for Boho Bones so we can give out additional uh, scholarships, grants, you know, artist grants, you know, music scholarships uh, and just keep the community thriving and creating.
1: So explain to our listeners, like how is Boho Bones so different from other, you know, but similar NFT projects and like specifically commercial rights transfer, like how does all that work? What, what makes it so different and special?
4: So, you know, you see a lot of the projects, they might just be a JPEG and it's the generative JPEG you know, we've gone and added the ex- extra layer of putting in a unique audio track that then they can go and release on Spotify and own the commercial rights and monetize and, you know, not, not have anyone sort of take any of the shares. It's theirs, you know, and they can collaborate with the community. And then there's just we ask just if they make, you know, if they go and make a million dollars, they make a donation back to the community wallet just to keep the community thriving as well.
1: And so for folks that don't really know how the, how the smart contract works when it comes to commercial rights, like how is that baked in? How do you know
4: that you've got something that's legitimate as a buyer of one of these NFTs? So, I mean, that's all, all stored on the blockchain and then we've actually created all the loops ourselves. So, you know, we've registered those loops and then given those rights to the actual community holders. So, I mean, that's sort of a first, first of a kind on the, on the NFT side of the blockchain. And also we're looking at doing partnerships with you know certain certain artists who are well known and festivals to do sort of metaverse and irl like uh collaborations with you know whether it be big artists or djs i mean that's all stuff in our roadmap and pipeline i can't go into too much detail but part of the reason for moving out to los angeles from colorado was to just to secure some of those those options and then you know boho holders will have exclusive rights to certain festival events or some of our remix winners may get the opportunity to play on on stage at a major festival
2: that's really cool Garrett. you're uh you're into collectibles does music cross your path
0: yes absolutely if we unlock video we can also of course unlock audio or really any any combination of the two i was curious andy so it's 0.08 ethereum to do it do you have any plans to try to make it at a little bit lower price point it seems like maybe Three hundred bucks or so might be a little bit tough for maybe some newcomers in the space.
4: Yeah, look, I mean, there's going to be lots of giveaways, and and if we get to a point where we see sort of adoption slow, we might even pause the contract or, you know, give some back to the the original holders. But you know, at this stage, our main focus was really getting flawless smart contract and reveal process, and just having it just beautiful there, and then pushing towards marketing because. It, it wasn't sort of a pump and dump shell or anything for us. This is a team that's got a long roadmap and really wants to see this, this work over like years to come. So, I mean, for us, it was making sure, you know, that, that technology and the reveal process was, and the, the solidity contract was just airtight. And, uh, you know, we did a great job with that and the reveals and keeping them updated. And now this week's the big sort of marketing week where the team sort of shifted focus to that. It's a pretty small team. And, uh, you know, we sort of all sort of shared bits and pieces of what has to get done. So everyone sort of shifted to that marketing mode this week. And then and then look, we'll get to next Sunday and, uh, you know, we'll make a call. But I think we're sort of at the tipping point where, you know, we could see big adoption real fast. And I think we're ready for that too.
2: And there is a uh, 25% discount thanks to Ethereum this week compared to last week too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thanks. It was 350 guay this morning. So just watch out, you know.
4: Yeah, right, right, right. Gas is no joke. I think we launched on the the toughest week possible. I mean, it was a, a public holiday weekend and I mean gas that sometimes to, to mint, you know, two or three tokens was uh you know seven thousand dollars. And today, thank goodness it's uh, it's calmed down. You know, you can mint one for for twenty dollars Ethereum, value USD. Well,
0: you you can take that same code and deploy it to MADEC or some of these other places for like a penny. <laughs>
4: Yeah, that's, we're looking at doing that. Deploying it on cross chain, and then but still having the you know the main metadata housed on Ethereum. I think you know that's all stuff. You know, it's everyone's growing in the space and learning quick. And you know, I like the authenticity of, of the ETH chain, but I think you know some of those others are just you know bringing the transactional fee down. And we're gonna we're gonna try and accommodate everyone where we can.
3: Yeah, I was really excited to kind of look through the catalog a couple of days ago. Yeah, I'm a musician. I went to school for it, you know, like, you know, have quite a background in it as as you do. And uh, it's really great to see somebody blazing the trails. Um, it's fun to see these kind of loopable, you know, musical experiences. It's fun to see the variety of them as well. I want to ask you a question maybe about the community, but but first I want to ask you, like, how did you approach like putting together so many musical samples and having them all be interesting and you know have a variety and you know not have you know total duds like is that something you can even explain like how does that work out
4: we've got sort of a couple of musicians and producers on the team and it was you know everyone was just sort of writing together and you know i've also mixed and mastered records with some major labels before so i you know got those final copies and and got through that we've also now got some partnerships with some um you know actually automated cloud mastering that we'll do in a web 3 format in the metaverse and that sort of thing but that's i don't want to get too too deep in the into the roadmap but uh you know we also want community creating samples and having a community you know sound library in in that access for token holders and then uh you know we're, we're talking to lots of big artists who will come in and you know hopefully do a collab a, a producer pack a remix comp you know and really really grow the community engage and that way
2: Speaking of growing the community, we uh, we shared what you're up to with uh, AJ Jackson, St. Motel, and Scott Page, formerly Pink Floyd, some of our friends, and they're pumped to uh, chat with you more and learn more about what you're doing.
4: Yeah, and, I mean, we're blown away to be talking to guys like that. I mean, I was, I was saying I've got St. Motel on the uh, on one of my running playlists, and, I mean, Pink Floyd just, you know, has blown me away for since I was listening to music as a kid, you know. So, I mean, it's just it's incredible this – nft space and all these incredible artists are just attracted to it and i mean it's just it's just the start and i think it's really about just giving utility back and and rights back to creators and having a share model where you can have celebrities come in or or whether it be you know metaverse and and in real life festival mashups i mean there's so much you know we're about to move into i think yeah
1: man you know one of the uh well actually our, our intro music actually saint motel we uh move uh, for our intro music to the, to the podcast. So it took some finagling, but uh, uh, they were very generous in, uh, in giving us those rights. You know, it also it also reminded me like of, uh, like Jack Antonoff released a bunch of samples and loops and distributed those to his community and said, basically, oh, you could just, you know, just feel free to use it in whatever you want, right? Like, I mean, it was just a statement from him but you know, there's nothing baked in to, to give those rights, right. There's no like, actual contract for using it. At some point, one of his attorneys, you know, could get a wild hair up their ass and say, no, you can't actually use that just because Jack said, it doesn't give you the rights, you know? And so like what you're doing here, the
4: solution here, it's like, it's like pretty awesome. And yeah, those loops are sick, man. I really, I really enjoyed listening to those. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really just giving the rights over to the community wallet, which then we sort of, you know, fund off the contract and, you know, if- if we get, um, you know, other artists that want to be involved, it's just, you know, it's just a way to grow the team and community and, and just have cool, creative new tunes coming out as well, I think.
2: Super cool. And I heard a rumor that the first tattoo someone recently got upon moving from Colorado to California on his inner forearm might have something to do with what you're doing.
4: He got it on his chest. He got one of the, uh, a guy called Cosimo. He lives, he lives in Mexico and he, he caught a bus uh, 12 hours to chihuahua mexico to get one of our first uh you know skulls that we'd created tattooed on his chest so you can uh, you can check it out on twitter he firehead Cosmos is his his twitter twitter name and he uh yeah he got this incredible boho tattooed on his chest he's just a true day one community supporter and you know boho fam that's super dope man that's cool wow do you guys have that like we, we need
1: like a, an image of that i know it's it would be a static or maybe a video with like some of the music in the background or something like that that needs to live in nft land i think
4: oh, absolutely i think it should be nft actually we should make a special one with his tattoo and some music on it and you know maybe airdrop it to the first token holders You know, there we go love it
3: you know uh just just to follow up there uh we talked a little bit about community and we know that you focused a lot on thoughtfully developing the community as opposed to, you know, whatever you could sell out right away on this type of a project. Can you tell us a little bit about your your thought process on there and like kind of how you
4: execute on that? Yeah, so I mean, I think it's just keeping the message consistent and, and you know, each week giving a little more to the, the early adopters, whether it be through airdrops or competitions or special packs for them and just continually executing on our roadmap on time and keeping everyone updated on that. I mean you see a lot of projects in the space and they promise the world and then you know after they sell out you just don't hear from them again it's like a complete rug pull so look it'd be great to sell out on day one but you know that wasn't our plan the plan was really just to test make sure we had a, a bulletproof contract and reveal process and then really grow into the marketing after that which is sort of the pivot here but i think yeah we've got to keep everyone engaged we can't have people panicking and like you know quickly selling on open So so it's, it's just communicating with them and i I leave my DMs open uh, for my, my Twitter account for, for bohobones.eth for, you know, the guys in the community to reach out. I mean, I send some of the guys I see really grinding and reposting on Twitter and stuff and sharing their bones. I send them, you know, from my personal ones that I have minted tokens and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just keeping the doors always open and just the community know that they can reach out and ask questions and have them updated on the roadmap and competitions weekly, daily. Just keep them in
2: okay. Totally, I'm sure, Garrett. You've learned quite a bit about community building with uh, Rare, and you can relate to some of these challenges and uh, that Andy mentioned.
0: Absolutely. Well, we are taking a bit of a sort of software as a service, white labeling type approach, where we're giving these tools to people who can hopefully make their own their own communities with them. But yes, absolutely that is totally the difference between something that's successful and something that's not. You've seen it with the art blocks and with, with all of these other projects. If there's not some kind of interesting, compelling gamification reason to come back over and over again, people aren't. Uh, I think there's this like existing paradigm of I'm going to take an image and then just make an NFT out of it. That absolutely isn't. What Boho Bones is doing is super awesome. I hadn't heard about it until now, but doing like... Uh, loops and samples that do generative new music that's that's absolutely the entire ethos i think of the nft space is we don't want existing ip i don't know if you've seen like i don't know i haven't seen a bunch of like marvel ip trade for a bunch of money <laughs> it's right it's bored ape Yacht club and pudgy penguins and right i mean that it's great i think i think it's an active kind of like rejection of the previous ip paradigm so i am all for new stuff
2: yeah, yeah, this is fun. This is our a little experiment bringing these two two different uh, topics together. And uh, thanks for experimenting with us, as is the the nature of the space. Folks can go to uh, Boho uh, Bones's website, which Jeff mentioned earlier, bohobones.com. And we are going to do a, a give two. This is like a double giveaway show, so this is exciting. Look um, out, folks! So, Andy, you've got uh, five uh boho bones i think we're going to be giving away is that correct that
4: sounds pretty awesome yeah we're giving away five very look
2: out folks if if you're excited about what what these guys have cooking you'll have a chance to sort of join the community firsthand through edge of nft thanks andy for joining us for the special hot topic segment and wish you the best with your project
4: thanks guys thanks for having me on and uh cheers Garrett, as well we're big fans of raid and you know we'll, we'll do something together in the future hopefully
0: Absolutely, Andy. Looking forward to it. And uh, yeah,
2: Garrett, thanks again as well for joining us today and on our episode of Edge of NFT. Would love to sort of also share with listeners where they can go to learn more about you and the projects you're working on.
0: Absolutely. Primarily just our website. Rare.tech is kind of the main place. Uh, we have been a bit in stealth mode, just building this stuff kind of through the <laughs> initial part of this NFT hype cycle. Uh, but we do have the first couple of clients that we're working with coming out with things very soon. So uh, you might not see us directly. You might see the little like powered by Rare Tech at the bottom. But we will be there in the background uh, trying to give people these tools so that they can make high quality stuff.
1: Awesome, man. And it sounds like uh, we also have a a little giveaway we're going to put together with Rare. Um, What can you tell us about that?
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, we have uh, all of these interesting kind of batch minting uh, tools. So, uh, yes, I've offered to uh, use them for Edge of NFT uh, to basically make you guys whatever you would like. And then we can batch mint them and airdrop them to your audience en masse. Just pick the blockchain you'd like, or maybe all of them, Clayton, Polygon, they're all quite affordable. And uh, yeah, your listeners will just have to supply their 0x address and we'll do the rest
1: amazing yeah we'll do something really fun so again keep an eye out on our socials for uh for all the information on the giveaways we talked about on today's episode really exciting stuff and again Garrett thanks so much for for all the great info uh on today's episode is amazing and so we've pretty much reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today so thanks for exploring with us we've got Space for more adventures on this starship. So, invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Want to help co-create Edge of NFT with us? Got guests you want to see on the episode? Questions for hosts or guests? An NFT you'd like us to review? Drop us a line at contact at edgeofnft.com or tweet at us at edgeofnft to get in the mix. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today.